This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Spector Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dream Power Radio. This is a place where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love and rediscover the truth of who you really are. One of the purposes of this show is to bring awareness to the power of our dreams. And in doing so, we've talked about a number of ways we can use our dreams and about the type of dreams we have, such as healing dreams, nightmares, precognitive dreams, recurring dreams, and the like. But the area that's piqued the most interest that seemed to be gaining in awareness in recent years is lucid dreaming. What is it? What can we get out of it? What new things are we learning about the process? Well, for answers to these and other questions, I can think of no better person to ask than noted lucid dream expert, Robert Wagoner. Robert is the author of the best-selling book, Lucid Dreaming, Gateway to the Inner Self, and has made it his mission to teach the benefits of lucid dreaming in talks and conferences and media outlets around the world. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio, Robert. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, Robert, let me ask you this. Is it just me or has interest in lucid dreaming risen dramatically in recent years? You know, I think the pandemic helped people become more aware of dreaming. And in the process, they became even more aware of lucid dreaming or realizing within the dream that you're dreaming. Yes. Well, let's get down to the basics as we discuss this. So what's the difference between a, quote, regular dream and a lucid one? So in a lucid dream, we realize that this is a dream. We know we're dreaming. And because we know we're dreaming, then we can decide what it is that we want to do. We can think of goals that we wanted to achieve, like if we wanted to heal our knee or something like that. We have all those options available to us. In a regular dream, we oftentimes just go along with whatever happens and make make up a story to explain it somehow and we'll see fantastic things but in a lucid dream we know hey this is a dream i'm dreaming this now what did i want to do oh yeah yeah well when a lot of people are describing lucid dreams they like to say that well one of the things you do is you can control what happens in the dream but that's not exactly true is it not really at all. What I point out to lucid dreamers is, well, when you walked around that corner in the city and saw a whole new dreamscape, who created that if you control it? And so it's obvious that the unconscious is also very active during a lucid dream and a lot of surprising and unexpected things occur. So I say that lucid dreaming doesn't mean control. It means more aware relating to the unconscious mind or the larger awareness. That's really the better way to think about it. Yep, you're right, because it does, you may be in a place where you want to be, but then what happens after that is what happens. (laughs) Yeah, very surprising sometimes too. Yeah, something that happens to lucid dreamers, especially when they first start out, is that once they realize they're having a lucid dream, they they want to rush through it because they're afraid that the the magic's going to go away or, you know, it's not going to last. But you say there are actually rules that can help the dreamers stay in lucid state. So can you go into that a bit? Right. I think this is something that every lucid dreamer learns. And it's it's what I learned long ago, even before the scientific evidence for lucid dreaming came out, I taught myself how to lucid dream. But the first thing I realized, if you get too excited, you're going to wake up. 
And so almost every lucid dreamer learns that the first thing you have to do is tell yourself to calm down. If you're looking at something really exciting, then look away, look at your hands or the floor, something boring to kind of calm your mind. So that, that's the very most important thing to do. Then the next thing I would say, you want to enhance your awareness. You might want to say greater awareness now or greater clarity now. And sometimes it's like someone turns up the lights in the lucid dream that, that reflects your awareness is increasing. And finally, you have to maintain your focus because the lucid dream, it'll all seem so real. The nearby wall will feel real. The dream figures will look real. But you have to maintain your focus that this is a dream. I'm dreaming this because otherwise you'll get lost to the lucid dream. So if you can reduce your emotions, enhance your awareness and maintain your focus, then you can have a long, stable, lucid dream. Is there any place that you can't go in a lucid dream? Boy, uh, the 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 sky's the limit when it comes to places you can go. Well, one thing that I would say, though, is people tend to stay in their comfort zone. I'll talk to people who have had hundreds of lucid dreams, and I'll ask them, well, what have you done? And normally they'll have fun, they'll talk to dream figures, and that'll be it. And so they stay within their comfort zone. And that's when I try to explain to them that there's much more to do. There's much more to explore. You just have to conceptually get there and also allow yourself to grow and, and go further. So there's more to it than having dreams about sex and flying. Right. You know what? When people ask me, what are the benefits of lucid dreaming? I say, well, well, look, first you can access that inner creativity. You can engage your unconscious mind and access that creativity. Then you can use it to resolve emotional issues or resolve nightmares. You can also, I believe, use it to promote physical health and healing, which, which I think is really exciting. Also, you, you can do, do it to access an inner awareness, what I call my awareness behind the dream. You can actually access that in a lucid dream. And finally, you can use it for spiritual pursuits like meditating within a lucid dream or asking to experience the quality of the divine. There's so many things you can do. So, so really the sky's the limit, but, but it helps to have kind of an understanding of the environment if you want to go the distance. Yeah, I guess actually the universe is the limit, not just the sky. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that, that's really the case. It's amazing how deep it is and also how you begin to see that there's layers of the self. A lot of times people liken lucid dreaming to gaming a lot of young people are involved in games and online games. And and I, I tell them, though, in an online game, it's really, you can get, really get into it. It seems like a virtual reality that you're getting into. But in a lucid dream, you have to ask yourself, who codes the lucid dream? Because there seems no end to it. In, in a virtual reality game, you know there's an end to it. And you get to the end, that's where the coding stops. But who codes a lucid dream? And that's when you realize you're really dealing with the infinite in, in one sense. It's truly amazing. We talk about recurring nightmares or recurring dreams. Is there recurring lucid dreams? You know, what's interesting is sometimes people become lucid when they see a recurring dream symbol. Or they might see a dream figure and think, wait a second, I saw that dream figure last night. Oh, this must be a dream right now. And so sometimes those recurring elements help us become lucidly aware. For me, one of my recurring elements that helped me become lucidly aware 
is I'll be walking along like on a sidewalk or a street and come to a rain puddle. And now I'll realize that I'm gliding over the rain puddle, you know, like 10 feet. And then I think, wait a second, how can this be? Oh, I'm dreaming this. Uh, so that's one thing I've jumping over puddles and gliding over rainy puddles is one of my dream signs that helps me realize, hey, this is a dream that I'm in. So you say that when we have dreams and we get lucid, it's related to our our feelings or our mindset or our beliefs. So in that case, how are we able to like walk through walls or do crazy <laughs> things like that? Right. You know, that's one of the things that I really try to educate people on is that the lucid dream environment normally reflects your mindset your beliefs and expectations. And, and I'll give examples of like, one time I became lucidly aware in a theater and decided to explore wherever this was. And so I flew out of the wall and found myself on kind of a college campus and flew around. Then I decided to return to where I, I had started, but coming from the other side, boy, those bricks look so solid. And right as I got up to that wall, even though it was a dream wall, I had a bit of doubt that I was going to have a hard time getting through it. And darned if I didn't get stuck halfway through the dream wall. And, and then I realized how silly that was to get stuck by a dream wall because it's made him dream stuff. And, and so I wiggled my way through and got back to the starting place. But, but what I noticed is that expectation of having trouble became manifest. And, and that's what I try to explain to people is your beliefs and expectations will become manifest and so that's why lucid dreaming really helps us to observe our mind. And because our mind gets reflected out there, you really have to keep a good watch on your mind that, to go the distance in lucid dreaming. Yeah. One of the things that I really like to use dreams for and what I love about dreams is for problem solving. And my do it, I usually do a dream incubation and meditate on a question that I want to have a dream about. But how I phrase that question is very important. So if you're doing this in a lucid dream, what are the best type of questions to ask? And conversely, what should you not ask if you want a good outcome? Yeah, this is really an important point. And I always teach it in my online workshops. The way you phrase a question or a, or a request in the lucid dream state is very important. For, for example, there is this one artist and every time he became lucidly aware, he announced that now he would go looking for art that he could create in the waking world. And he would spend the entire lucid dream looking for the art that he could create. And then he realized that his phrasing was causing a trouble. So then he changed the phrase to now let me look at art that I can create. And suddenly art would appear on the nearby walls. And he could examine it and and wake up. And, and he, he said that when he'd do that lucid dream art, when he woke up, he said it was always the best seller at his art shows. He it, Sometimes it was very simple, but people just loved it and, and were just really into it. But it just showed that there's a difference in looking for art versus looking at art. When you ask to look at art, it appears. When you ask to look for it, you'll spend the entire look, lucid dream looking for it. So those kind of questions and how they're phrased are really important. Normally, what I encourage people to do when they become lucidly aware and stabilize lucid dream 
is ask that larger awareness, hey, show me something important for me to see and then see what happens. Because that's kind of an open-ended question. You're asking your larger awareness to show you something that's important for you to see. And sometimes those results can really be transformative. And does that sort of eliminate the expectation factor? Right. That kind of gets the ego out of it because now you're asking your larger awareness to tell you or show you what is something important for you to see. And a lot of people have told me of profound lucid dreams where they've learned things about themselves and discovered things that, that have really made, set their life on a better course. So, so it's important to give that kind of open-ended request instead of being so definitive uh, like normally the ego wants to do. Yeah, and I can see how that would make a difference where if you're not having the ego involved, you might get answers that you're not expecting and that makes a difference. Exactly. So many lucid dreamers, when they're new at it and all that, you know, they they want to find their red Ferrari when they open up that garage door and there's a red Ferrari and, and they're all excited. But but that's kind of you're creating things and helping things appear. But you really are, you're really not learning very much. I mean, you're just kind of exploring your ego desires. But when you ask your larger awareness, show me something important for me to see and. Uh, and then, then sometimes the entire lucid dream will change, or sometimes one thing will just appear. And that's when you begin to learn that, oh, there's there's a responsive awareness here, and it really has my best interest in, at heart. Could you talk a bit about the role of emotions in a lucid dream? Right. You know, emotions are one of those interesting things. So again, when you first become lucid, don't get too excited, because if you get too emotional, you're going to pop out. But the other place that emotions play a role is if we're focused on that super attractive dream figure over there, you know, sometimes our emotions are involved. Or sometimes if we want to get somewhere quickly, if we have that emotional intent and energy, then that helps propel us even more quickly than we normally would go. So you begin to learn that you can use emotional energy to move and to make things occur more quickly. But you can also, if you're not careful, be trapped by your own emotions and just replay the same sort of emotional script that goes on in your waking life as well. And so emotions are a fun thing to to work with in a lucid dream. Well, can you change your emotion while you're having the dream? You know, that's one of the beautiful things about lucid dreaming. You oftentimes can. I remember reading a story about a lucid dreamer who was having so much fun flying higher and higher and higher. And then she got so high that she looked down and began to get emotionally worried about how high she had gotten. And now she began to fall to the earth. And then she remembered, no, this is my dream. I can do whatever I want. And so she kept flying higher and higher. And then once again, she got so worried that that she, she uh, fell to the earth. And she said when she woke up from that lucid dream, she realized that if you have doubts, then that'll be symbolically translated in the lucid dream by falling. But when you have confidence and trust, then then you can go higher. And, and so she said that next week she was at a job interview and they asked her a tough question where she could either talk confidently or kind of betray some of her trust in her own abilities. But she remembered that lucid dream and decided to talk confidently and, and got the job and, and went on to good things. 
But you, you just begin to see that emotions also get reflected. When you have doubts, when you have fears, you can magnify that energy. But if you have trust and belief, you know, in the positive, then you can also magnify that energy instead. Yes, and also wise thoughts for how to deal with it in your waking life as well. Yeah, that, that's what we call lucid living uh, or living lucidly. When you transfer those ideas into the waking state and see how important your beliefs and expectations, your focus and intent are, that, that's when you begin to live more lucidly and, and really realize how this waking reality is being created, which is much like the dream reality. Okay, well, on that note, we are going to take a short break. We are speaking about lucid dreaming with Robert Wagoner, and we'll be right back. When is a car not a car? When it shows up in your dreams. Cars are one of the most common dream symbols. If you don't know why you're dreaming about cars or any image, it can leave you confused or scared. But that dream could be a solution to a pressing problem or an insight into a solution that's been bugging you for years. Go to my website and sign up for a complimentary discovery session, and I'll help you understand why a dream is a terrible thing to waste. Go to thedreamcoach.net for more information. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Yes, welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman, and we're talking with Robert Wagoner all about lucid dreaming. Well, Robert, I want to get into the specifics of specific types of situations. So can you give me some information on how we can use lucid dreams for dealing with nightmares? Right. So it's interesting. The scientific evidence for lucid dreaming came out around 1980 and 1981. And it was in 1982 that the first psychotherapist named Gordon Holliday used lucid dreaming to help, a, help his clients who had recurring nightmares. And so this was a result of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, but they had recurring nightmares. And so what he told them back in 1982, he said, when you become consciously aware, when you see that recurring nightmare appear, I want you to t- just change one thing in the lucid dream. And then, then we'll see what happens. And so like one gentleman, he was being crushed by a tractor that he had been working on and it fell on his chest and was crushing him. But then he remembered, oh, this is a dream. I'm dreaming this. And so he, instead of the barn being red, he made it green. And what they found is that when the people woke up from these lucid dreams, their recurring nightmares basically ceased. And so that kind of got people started in looking at lucid dreaming as a way to end recurring nightmares. That is fascinating and how you can use that. And another area that that I'd like your thoughts about are using lucid dreaming for health and for healing. Right, right. So, So there's all kinds of health and healing. There's emotional healing and physical healing and all. Some of this got investigated by my good friend, Ed Kellogg. He has a PhD in biochemistry from Duke. But Once upon a time, way back in the 80s, he was eating a shish kebab, and he was so enthusiastic that he actually punctured his tonsil back there. And so his tonsil got infected, and now it had swelled up, and there were red lines down his face. And he decided that in a lucid dream, he'd tried to heal himself. And so later that week, he became consciously aware. He had a a chant to heal his, 
his tonsil. And he said that when he woke up, almost 90% of the pain was gone. And within two hours, the red lines disappeared and, and his tonsil went on to full recovery. So, so that kind of got started this idea, can you heal your physical body in a lucid dream? There's been a lot of scientific research by Stephen LaBerge about how lucid dreams influence the body. So like he would do a research study where he told the lucid dreamers, in your lucid dream, I want you to clench your right fist, then your left fist in alternate patterns. And we'll have these little records on your, on your arms to see if there's any muscle movement. And there was muscle movement in an alternating pattern when they became lucidly aware. But since, since Ed's study and, and since my books have come out, a lot of people have sent me incredible stories of lucid dream healing. There was one of a gentleman who had eye pigment dispersion syndrome, where the pigmentation on your eyes flakes away, and there's no cure for this. And so in a lucid dream, he intended for his eyes to get healed. And the next time he went to his ophthalmologist or optometrist, that they did a scan and found that his eye pigment had actually gotten thicker than the previous time when there'd been a dramatic decrease. And so it's really incredible to think of using lucid dreaming to help promote physical health. But again, it's a little bit complicated and, and that's why people like me write books on it, just to make sure that people approach it in a thoughtful, intelligent manner. So do we know how the dreams helped in the healing process? You know, it's it's interesting. There was a, a gentleman who had GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, and within a lucid dream, it took two lucid dreams, but he he managed to heal his GERD even so he didn't have the symptoms anymore and now he could sleep lying down and it was like five years after he had healed it in a lucid dream that a doctor discovered that he had a special kind of hernia and oftentimes this special kind of hernia would lead to GERD and and the doctor said oh it's so amazing that you don't have the symptoms that normally result from this kind of hernia And, and the gentleman told his doctor that in a lucid dream he made the symptoms go away so it's interesting to see. I think it just shows us, Debbie, that 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 the mind has incredible power to stop symptoms and to make things go away, especially when we believe and expect that that's, that can occur. So do you think by dreaming lucidly, it accelerates this process that, that might happen if you have a regular dream? You know, I I think that's the case. There's been some recent studies by two people that have yet to be published, but it's on using lucid dreams or dream incubation to help heal physical conditions. And what they found was that lucid dreaming accelerated the process of healing, but in regular dream incubation, where you try to get information about the disease or how to approach it or how to resolve it, the people got wonderful information about changing their diet and various things, and they made kind of slow, steady progress uh, by using dream incubation. But I, I think it shows that there's a little bit of a difference here, that lucid dreams can often lead to sudden dramatic changes, and dream incubation can be like steps along the path to improvement. Well, you've talked about some of the studies that are being done on lucid dreaming, but I know that there's a whole host of other things going on. So could you maybe talk about one or two other areas of research that are going on right now? 
Well, so I think that where researchers are going to begin to take lucid dreaming is, can you use lucid dreaming for emotional healing? So we, we already know that lucid dreaming has helped people with PTSD, recurring nightmares. And, and even the most used technique for PTSD recurring nightmares, which is called the imagery rehearsal technique, it came from the University of New Mexico, where a psychiatrist there created it because he knew about lucid dreaming and just basically created this technique. You don't have to be a lucid dreamer to use it. You can just use it in the waking state. But so I think where the studies are going to go is using lucid dreaming to resolve phobias and using lucid dreaming to resolve anxiety. Millions and billions of people around the world have anxiety. And there's a lot of anecdotal reports of lucid dreamers learning how to resolve their anxiety in lucid dreams and also seeing how they have to work with their mind during the waking state to avoid having anxiety attacks or panic attacks and all. And so I think that's a really promising area. So I think that's where the next kind of influx of energy and all is going to be is using lucid dreaming for emotional healing. Okay, that's that's fabulous because the whole world is suffering from anxiety, I think, right now. And if just if half of the world got their anxiety eased by this, you know, imagine the place we'd be living in. It's truly, truly profound. And the great thing is when you realize how, when you see it, how quickly your mind responds in a lucid dream and all of a sudden those zombies coming at you when you realize, oh, they're just dream figures, they're zombies, they're created by Hollywood. All of a sudden your emotional energy goes way down because now you realize what you're really dealing with. And also when you take that into the waking world and see that your fears and anxieties really have no fundamental basis. And as long as you don't energize them, when you take away the energy from them, then all of a sudden the issue just resolves itself and you get on with your life and and do much better at it. Well, Robert, you're one of the presenters in an upcoming event sponsored by the International Association for the Study of Dreams called The Many Worlds of Lucid Dreaming. So can you speak about this and, and tell our audience what they might expect? Yeah, so the Many Worlds of Lucid Dreams, it's going to occur towards the end of October in 2022 and and probably every October thereafter. But we have 13 presenters who are presenting on various aspects of lucid dreaming and and some of their own personal explorations. I'm going to be presenting on how, how lucid dreaming shows us the many layered nature of the self. And I think that was one of the surprising things. When I got into lucid dreaming, it was just all about having fun and all that kind of thing. But when I began to realize that there's this responsive awareness that'll give you insights and creativity beyond your conscious self's ability, that, that's when you really realize that there's more, there's more going on here and it's showing us something really unique about the self. But I'll, I'll be there with 12 other lucid dreamers doing presentations and Zooms. And, and it's a lot of fun. It goes on for two weeks and it's sponsored by the International Association for the Study of Dreams. And how do people find out about it? Yeah, the best thing to do is go Google search IASD and dreams and you'll come to the IASD website and there you'll see the many worlds of lucid dreaming event. Click on it. It's, it's an absolute bargain for, for two weeks. You, you can attend for, for, I think it's $89, and it's the bargain of the century. 
because not only are there presentations, but there's also a place where people forum, where people can ask questions and share experiences. And, and they just, people just go away with their, just thrilled by what they learn. And Robert, how can people find out more about you and your work? Yeah, my book's website is at lucidadvice.com. So lucidadvice.com. And also I publish a free online magazine called The Lucid Dreaming Experience with my friend uh, Lucy Gillis. And so if you go to luciddreamingmagazine.com, you can see that free online magazine. And there's always great articles and readers submitted to Lucid Dreams that will just blow your mind. Well, Robert, thank you so much for being on Dream Power Radio today. Oh, it's been fun, Debbie. Thank you. We've been speaking about lucid dreaming with dream educator and author Robert Wagner. Hope you've enjoyed today's program. If so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Until next time, this is Debbie Specter Weissman saying, Sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Specter Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International. <laughs>